You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Welcome to the weekly podcast for Kingsway Christian Church. My name is Matt Nickerson. I'm your host for today. And uh, the point of this podcast is to look back at Sunday's content and just give a little fuel of your faith throughout the week as we explore the topic a little bit further. This past Sunday, we're in our 2020 vision, kind of looking at who do we want to be, what do we want to be as a church. And I shared yesterday that our vision for Kingsway in 2020 is to become the most loving place that we can be. And the reason is because we believe that God has created us to be loved and to give love. I shared with you yesterday that uh, we have these passages where Jesus tells a story. He's approaching, he's asked this question of all the commandments out there. What is the most important one? Well, I want to look at one of those with you and explore it for a little bit in our time here today. And this comes from the book of Luke. And uh, Jesus is approached by a religious teacher, a teacher of the law, and he's asked the question, what's the most important rule? And Jesus answers, well, how do you read it? And I love that because Jesus puts it back on him. Like, what do you think? You're a teacher of the law. You're an expert. How do you read this thing? And it says that he says, uh, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So this religious teacher already does both things that Jesus does in the text we looked at in Matthew. He already understands the summary of the Old Testament has to do with love, how we love our neighbors and how we love God. Jesus looks at him and he says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But what's fascinating is then it says, but the guy wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, well, so who is my neighbor? And therein lies the tension, doesn't it? So yesterday we talked about the fact that our second core value is community. We love each other. And the way we define community and the way we define each other is specifically within the body of Christ here at Kingsway. That doesn't mean we don't love our neighbors and the world and all those other things. That's actually next week's core value. We define it as we love each other. But this comes to the heart of where we are as humans and especially as Americans in the world today. I think there's something called compassion fatigue that is overwhelming most of us. Uh, I think more and more people use social media less and less in general. We don't use it the way we did 10 years ago. We're still using it, but it's different. But we're constantly aware of all of our friends who are sick, all of our friends who've had car accidents, all of our friends who've hit financial crisis. We're constantly aware of what's going on in the world, not just here in Avon, but in Indianapolis, in Indiana, in the United States, and also in Iran, in Iraq, in South America. And oh, by the way, if you follow any of our missionaries, add those in. And I think consequently what we're seeing is compassion fatigue, compassion fatigue. We, there are so many people and so many things that need help. Where do we help and what do we do? Here's what's fascinating is there are many, many studies that back up. When there are more choices in front of us, we are less likely to make a choice. When there are more choices in front of us, we're less likely to make a choice. So how do we navigate who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus goes on, and in talking to this man, he, uh, he gives this answer. Jesus replies, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Now, what's fascinating so far in the story is uh, the first two people Jesus mentioned are two people that were the religious people in the day. Um, the, the Levites 
and the priests, they're people who worked in the temple. They should have been the most holy people that you could think of when you're telling a story. He could have used other names. He could have thrown in groups like Pharisees, scribes, and whatever. Uh, but he chose specifically two groups of people everybody knew were connected to the temple. They had religious duties, religious jobs. And everybody knows if you're paid to be good, you better be good, right? That's why we expect more from our pastors and our ministers and our priests and so on. And yet in the story, both of them, when they saw the man, they simply went to the other side of the road and they ignored the problem. But then a Samaritan comes along. And to really understand the, the heart of what the Samaritan is doing, you have to understand the way the Jews and Samaritans felt about each other. Jews and Samaritans really couldn't stand each other. And there's a lot more to unpack than I have time for in this podcast. But in essence, uh, Samaritans were kind of like, uh, I don't know how to say this, for lack of a better phrase, they were maybe half-breeds. They were uh, Jewish people who had interspersed with uh, some of the foreign nations. And um, therefore, the, the Jews and the Samaritans really despised each other. The, the, the religiously, they, they kind of had some of the same roots, but they went different directions in the way they carried this out. The Jews believed in all of the books of the Old Testament. The Samaritans really only worshipped used the, the first five or so. They had constant disagreement about the interpretations of those things. Uh, and so there was just constant tension. In fact, you kind of see how bad things are in Jesus' day, uh, because in Jesus' day, many times the people would walk all the way around Samaria. If you were a Jew and you needed to get somewhere, you would actually just avoid going through Samaria altogether. And um, you see it in some of the, just the tensions that exist in the way the disciples talk about Samaria and at that point, the way they viewed it. And Jesus had to completely change their view. So the reason Jesus tells this hypothetical story and uses a Samaria is because he's bringing to the surface the people you would expect to act the best didn't and the person you would expect to act the worst didn't. Because at this point, it has to do with how you act. The question Jesus is answering is, who is my neighbor? So this Samaritan, it says, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So what the Samaritan did and the priest and the Levite failed to do was he took care of this man fully, completely. Not only did he bandage him up, put him on his donkey, take him to a hotel, pay the hotel man to feed him and care for him and nurse him back to health, but also said, look, if, you, if your expenses go up when I come into town, I'll just trust you. You tell me what it cost. Now, Jesus then looks at this man, this uh, religious leader, and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert and the law replies to him, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Okay, so I gave you this summary yesterday that love is me doing what is best for you. Love is me doing what is best for you. So as we try to apply this concept of love, and we use, say, this definition of love being me doing what is best for you, we have to take stories like this where Jesus gave us practical examples and really wrestle with how do we apply those in our everyday life? And I find myself asking over and over and over again, how do I apply love to my kids, to my spouse, to my neighbors? But the gospel is radical. How do I take it and apply it even to my enemies? How do I take it and apply it to people I don't even know on the other side of the world who are struggling? How do I take it and, and use it in everyday life when it seems like I'm just fatigued from the needs going on in the world if love is me doing what is best for you, I'll deplete myself taking care of everybody else. I need handles. 
I need a guide. And here it is. A few years ago, I was uh, preaching on this text, and I was struggling with this idea of compassion fatigue and how do I help people and what is Jesus teaching us? And if love means me doing what is best for you, how do I not burn myself out trying to fulfill this passage? And I came to this conclusion. And what's crazy is ever since I said this, this has been the number one uh, thing I've said in any sermon that gets quoted back to me over the last maybe five years or so since I said it. And here it is. Proximity determines priority. Proximity determines priority. And what I mean by that is whatever God is immediately placed in front of you is the one that you're supposed to wrestle with. The one that God has brought to you is the one that you're supposed to wrestle with and ask him, what do I do with this, Father? How do I meet this need? And if I have the ability to meet the need, then I am to do it. Jesus uses the Samaritan. The thing is, the Samaritan had the resources. He put him on his donkey. He took him to the, inn, the innkeeper. He paid the innkeeper. He told the innkeeper, I'll do more. And so even in the story that Jesus used, the Samaritan had the resources to do something about it. He met the need because he could meet the need. But proximity determined priority. We're not told that Samaritan did that for everybody he ever met everywhere. We're told in this situation, he saw a need, he became a neighbor. So perhaps the best way for you to really think about applying this concept of love means me doing what is best for you, who is around you right now who needs to know the love of God through you? Who is around you right now that needs to know the love of God through you? And that might be through something you do to meet a need, might be uh, maybe helping pay rent or uh, maybe helping to fix a car. Uh, one day I was sitting at Starbucks and somebody came in, a friend of mine, and he said, hey, I want to bless you. He literally said, can I have your car keys? <laughs> I thought, uh-oh, and my car is trashed. He went and he took my car and he had it detailed and cleaned and brought it back to me and just said, I just want to bless you. He has no idea, maybe even to this day, maybe he's listening, he'll know now, uh, what a blessing that was because it was a very stressful season. It was just a small thing somebody did to bless me, to help me in a season that I was going through where I really needed some assistance. It was small. Who is around you right now that needs to know the love of God through you? Proximity determines priority. If God has placed somebody in your life, if God has put you in somebody else's life, there's a reason he's placed you near that problem. Don't worry about what's going on all over the world. There are roughly 2 billion Christians in the world, and the Spirit of God is speaking in them. The Spirit of God is moving in them. Your job is only to be faithful to whatever the situation God has placed immediately in front of you. So as we wrap this up today, I hope that you will just take a moment on your drive or as you're listening at work or maybe you're in your whatever on your run and just think about this concept of who is around me that God is calling me to bless, to serve, and to love in his name. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless.